As human beings, we are really good at placing things before God. We get our order wrong all the time. You don't have to put this in the comments below. You don't have to message us. We all do it, especially when we're not doing life on purpose. Lots of things can come before God. We can put social media before God. We can get our, our, our sense of worth and value. We, we, can, we can put other things before God uh, that, that caffeinate us. We can think in the morning, oh, I need some comfort. Where is my nice warm cup of coffee? I love to have coffee with my oxygen. It could be a sports team. It could be lots and lots of different things. I remember in my 20s, I came across this quote. I think, I think it's from Abraham Joshua Heschel, Heschel, a famous Jewish rabbi, but he said, to be a Jew is to remember. And so many times in scripture, we have God telling the, the children of Israel, put up a bunch of rocks, make a monument so that you remember I was faithful. Other places, the book of Numbers has my favorite. He says, to, at the corners of your garment, attach these tassels. Well, they were wearing round garments. I think God has a sense of humor, but that in modern day times, these are called tzitzi. That's uh, the American pronunciation, and they hang especially out of guys' shirts. They're these tassels that you wear underneath, and every time your fingers touch these little tassels, it's designed to help us remember God or to help uh, these people remember God because God knows that we naturally forget about God. So uh, all over scripture, we see this in Exodus chapter 20. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. We, we see Jesus saying the same thing, saying, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Ooh, how many times do we put money ahead of God? That's where our security is. That's where it's at. But Jesus says, no, you can only serve one master, either God or money. The Apostle Paul in Colossians 3 verse 5 says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. There it is. There it is, the word idolatry. When we put something in front of God, it becomes an idol to us. Another translation is, it's important for us to get our, ordered, our order right. First God, and then everything else. So if we're talking about putting God first and getting our ordered right, we're really talking about worship. It's one of our core values here in the Brethren in Christ. That's our denomination, the church network that we belong to. But even more important than a poster on the wall, worship is the starting point for why you and I exist, why we're here on this planet. And the way our denomination puts it, uh, and, and I want us to, to think about this, so we don't do things just kind of going through the motions. Worship is a big deal, and here's how we put it. We value heartfelt worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. I love how 
the writers of this thing called the Shorter Catechism. It was a way people were brought into the faith and educated about the faith. It's been around for about 400 years. They say it like this, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. So let's take a moment to explore what worship means. In the Old Testament, they used four different Hebrew words that we translate into English as worship. And the most common meaning of all of these words involves outwardly, you know, bowing down, paying homage to something, an idol, and, and, and then when it was worship to the one true God, it was bowing down to God, bringing God the best. In the New Testament, there's, which was mostly written in Greek, the words where we translate into worship literally mean to kiss toward something. This, this idea of showing reverence or obeying God. And there's another Greek word that's translated into worship. It's really important and it means to serve or minister. When we worship God, we're serving God. We're ministering to God. And there's another Greek word that comes that where we get our word liturgy. And that's the order of worship, the, the things that we do in worship. So we've got a bunch of Hebrew words, a bunch of Greek words that we get this word worship for. If you push them all together, we see that this it involves an attitude. They all reference respect, reverence, and actions like bowing or praising and serving. But worship, yes, it's something that we do, but it's also something that changes us from the inside out. It's almost like it's active and passive at the same time. So I appreciate the way our, our value statement is, is structured. And I wanna use that to structure the rest of our time today of God honoring and spirit led. Um, and that's, that's the first one that we're gonna do to clarify that uh, why we worship and how we worship. Worship is to be God honoring. Uh, in Psalm chapter eight, it says this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place. What is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. So not to get too far ahead of ourselves, but when we talk about worship uh, and when we gather together like this at the most basic level, we are acknowledging that God is God. And by implication, God is God and we are not. That's the most simplest form of worship. It may be in, with a song, it may be with, with an act of worship, it may be with a thought. Every time you acknowledge that you aren't God, you are worshiping God. It's gotta honor God. Another, uh, another way that David clarifies what worship is is in Psalm 51, in the message translation, I love this. Going through the motions doesn't please you. A flawless performance is nothing to you. I learned God worship when my pride was shattered. Heart shattered lives ready for love don't for a moment escape God's notice. So here, David is pointing out how it's not just these outward mechanics and gestures. When we worship God, the heart matters too. And it's, it's not just that the heart matters so you can do something for God. God wants to do something for you too when you worship. This is a two-way communication. 
David says also in Psalm 25, my question, what are God worshipers like? Your answer, arrows aimed at God's bullseye. God friendship is for God worshipers. They are the ones he confides in. This is supposed to be a two-way thing. It's not that God wants something from you. And if you've been around here, you know how to finish that statement. If it's your first time, God doesn't want, nearly want something from you. God wants something for you. So when we're worshiping, we're participating in this ongoing conversation. So when we worship, we are honoring God. But when once we get our order right, that God is first and it's about the heart, the inside and the outside, we've got to understand that worship is spirit-led. We have access to the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will guide our worship. In the beginning with uh, with. The, the nation of Israel and the children of Israel, the Old Testament worship was God-directed. He makes it very clear how these folks were supposed to approach him. The book of Leviticus has all of these. When you, when you do the work to translate and interpret them, it's a beautiful thing that God says, when you approach me, here's how you do it. I want you to approach me. And here are all the, the prescriptions. And there are lots of them throughout the Old Testament. God directed ways to, to approach uh, to approach God. And then Jesus fulfilled all of those requirements. And because Jesus fulfilled all of those requirements, now the Holy Spirit guides how we worship. I love this conversation that Jesus had with the woman at the well. It was about, she tries to get him on a sidetrack, a little tangent about worship. And I love how Jesus talked about worship, uh, especially spirit-led worship. In John chapter 4, starting in verse 21, Woman, Jesus replied, Believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has come now when the true worshipers will worship the Father in the spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. We're worshiping actually led by the spirit. So worship is, it's God, getting God, it honors God. It's led by the Holy Spirit. And, and here's an example. Of, of what I mean by that. It doesn't mean a, a certain style of worship. There's the, the Spirit of God living in us. So what is, what is true worship? Is it liturgy, like at a, at a very fancy church, or is it a church with a rock band? Which is true worship? Well, it's either neither of them, or it can be both of them. It, it doesn't matter the style, because as we've learned earlier, Worship starts inside. It's about the heart. Yeah, you can worship God just as easily at a classic with classical music and these these liturgical readings. Or, I've been in raucous worship services with a with a lead guitar and drums and and a bass. And it was the heart, and you could tell there was real worship going on. At the same time. I've been involved in some just going through the motions, classical kind of services that just felt dead. I've been involved in some worship services also where 
there were lights and smoke and it was loud and super contemporary. And it was all about just the way things look and the externals. And I've judged both of those. And then I realized, am I really worshiping? My job is to think about my heart. So I can't judge other people. I can't, I can't see inside. The, actually, David, in uh, and, and, and the book of Samuel, actually, this is before David, but in, in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, uh, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Obviously, only God can see a human heart. Only God can see what someone's motivations are. And our challenge, my challenge and your challenge, is to examine our own motivations. Whether it's things in, in preferences of how we prefer to worship God, but also also just moment by moment. What's our, what's our motivation for seeking comfort? Where do we run when we're scared? Who or what do we run to when we're dealing with fear? And God can see deep into those emotions. And when we go to God first, God sees those, those emotions and God sees that as worship. So also from that verse, number two, humans easily focus on the outward appearance because we live in, not a Madonna reference, a material world. We only experience things through the physical senses, touch, smell, taste, sight, and sound. So when it comes to when it comes to all of these externals, a lot of times people would say people will say to me, "Hey, was worship good today?" And I always think that word "good" could mean a lot of different things. What is good worship? What is good worship at our brother and sister churches in India, where it meets in a room, and there's no there's no songbooks, there's no there's no words up on a screen, and everyone's singing from memory. And the, the, the message is, is story after story of what God has been doing in people's lives. Is that good worship? Is good worship coming here to solid ground in Rancho Cucamonga and getting here at 8 a.m. for sound check? Actually, Landry gets here a lot earlier than that and his team to, to get all the equipment up and running. Is it good if everyone hits the right notes? Is it good if there's a resounding bass note that goes throughout the whole song? Is that good worship? Is it good worship at one of our sister churches in Grantham where they have this amazing or organ and there's, there's readings, uh, responsive readings, and it's, it's very structured. Is that good worship? Well, we keep coming back to this. They can all be good or none of them can be good because Good worship comes from the heart, from inside. And I hope I'm not belaboring this point. I just want us to recalibrate our usage of the word good, when, especially when it comes to worship. Let's ask better questions of ourselves. Is my worship, is it God honoring? Is my worship spirit led? Am I being sensitive to what the spirit is telling me? And the last one is, is my worship is it changing my life? Am I letting God change my life? All three of those things are hard to measure, which is one of those things where you need to measure it for yourself and answer those questions for yourself. Am I honoring God? Am I led by the Spirit? Am I letting God change my life? Because you, 
you know when your life has been changed. You have those Isaiah chapter six kind of moments where he's, he's given this vision of heaven and he becomes aware of his own sin and grateful that God is reaching out to him. Life-changing worship is those, maybe you've never gone quite as extreme as David in 2 Samuel 6 where he was dancing before the ark. He was so moved at God's strength and provision and faithfulness. He didn't even care about being dignified, but that response was from the inside out. We're in Revelation 1 where John was falling down and worshiping at this vision of the, the risen Christ, worshiping, being in the presence of the risen Christ. We value worship that is God-honoring, spirit-directed, and life-changing. So that's great. That's wonderful on a poster. Why am I telling you all of this stuff? Here's where it matters for me and for you. We're always being shaped by something. And we're shaped by what we worship. We may be worshiping something unawares. We may not know we're worshiping, worshiping it. What do you give your attention to? What do you give your time to? What do you give your affections to? Another way to say it is this. We are constantly being discipled by something. And we are discipled by what we worship. So... In the past, I've seen uh, a couple different dynamics. The first time I noticed it was when it came to worship at summer camps as a youth pastor. I would watch these kids get away from the distractions, different sized groups throughout the years, different aged from middle school all the way to high school, similar dynamic. Every time we started worshiping, away from the distractions, they're all just focused on Jesus and it was like watching a soul come to life. It was like watching someone who's really thirsty and they didn't know it receive a refreshing drink of water over a dry, parched soul. I've also seen this from time to time on a Sunday morning. We can watch God refresh somebody. And as adults, we, we usually learn to hide it pretty well. But we have the chance to be connected to the the power that created all of this, everything that you see, is part of the reason why we exist, to remind ourselves that we aren't God, and God is God, and we can let God, isn't that so nice of us, to let God be God? Worship isn't just something God needs, it's something we need to do. That your soul will be dry, it will be parched, and also your perspective will be warped without putting God first. So my challenge to you this week, whatever that looks like for you, is to let God refresh you. My challenge to you this week is to worship God. Just worship God. For some of you, it may look like singing out loud in an in a in-person service. For some of you, it may look like raising your hands a little undignified, like King David, and you may, might feel like, oh no, what am I doing? But it's not just the, the outward stuff that God is after. It's not the outward stuff I'm challenging you to, to do. I'm challenging you to open your heart and to, to, to lean into even some discomfort maybe, to remind yourself, to maybe put it on, put it on your, your calendar, to spend some time worshiping God. Maybe it's with music. It doesn't matter if it's hymns, classical music, or, or modern praise and worship, but maybe put it on your calendar, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. I'm just going to spend some time worshiping Jesus. 
and let God fill your cup and, and watch what God does when you let him be God and let him change your life. So let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, will you please open our eyes to anything that we've put in front of you? We put you first right now, Lord Jesus. We turn our hearts towards you. And God, if we've forgotten uh, that you're in our lives, God, we ask that you remind us of your presence in our life right now, your tangible presence. May it, may it flood our senses in this moment. Be that friend that sticks closer than a brother. We acknowledge that you are God and we are not. In Jesus' name we pray. My friends, until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God make his face shine down upon you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.